Hello, welcome to episode 15 of the Basketball Soapbox. I'm your host, Daniel Daly, and in this episode, I'll be going over Kevin Durant's uh, trade request to basically blindside the start of free agency, uh, the free agency signings that happened, as well as trades, uh, also rookie extensions that happened, and big-time paydays uh, for some vets in the NBA. Let's get into it. Okay. Starting off here, let's start with the Brooklyn Nets, who are just in the season of turmoil um, after getting swept by the Boston Celtics. Um, turning around and reports of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving not necessarily being on the same page with the Brooklyn Nets front front office and management. Um, just insane. Just flat out insane. Um, there was reports that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving haven't talked to them since April 25th, which was the end of their uh, playoff run. Um, and, and just to think about that when free agency is happening and, and this team's looking to go into the start of a new direction here, um, Everything just goes haywire, and that started with Kyrie Irving's, um, how should I say, uh, uh, winning a max contract from the Brooklyn Nets. Um, after not agreeing to a, a max extension, they gave him the opportunity to look elsewhere, which most teams do when they have a player who's technically under contract. Um, not able to find a suitor, he opts in. And everybody goes, okay, he opted in. Maybe something's going on. Maybe uh, they're trying to figure out. And then the next day, start a free agency. Kevin Durant demands a trade. A guy who signed a max contract a year ago um, to start last season. And he's turning around asking for a trade request with four years left on his deal. And it's just like, what the hell's going on in Brooklyn? Now, I can understand it from a player's perspective, especially if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both looking at it like, hey, we committed to you guys, and you guys basically should do whatever we want. We're the two guys that are in charge who are going to lead this franchise. And if you're not going to be committed to us, we're not going to be committed to you. That's fine and dandy. But the Brooklyn Nets have basically bent over backwards for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Just think about it. First off, they hired Steve Nash. No experience as a coach. He's probably one of the ten best point guards of all time. Um, he was a player development coach in Golden State. That's awesome. But he has no coaching experience, uh, no management experience, no how to run a team behind the scenes experience. Maybe from a point guard, maybe that's the thing to do. Um, Jason Kidd started off that way, and we saw how that went in Brooklyn and Milwaukee, how he had falling outs there and, and, and basically had to learn on the job. He was able to turn out fine. But looking at Steve Nash coming into this Brooklyn Nets situation, it just didn't fit. And I didn't think no one, everyone thought it was a bad hire to start it off. But, of course, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, hey, this is our guy. We want him there. They do that. They keep your guy, DeAndre Jordan, which I thought was a big mistake. Um, they drafted Jared Allen. They traded away Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, D'Angelo Russell to improve this roster. They turn around and bring in James Harden, who was their guy. And... James Harden got the whiff of it before everybody else. He was like, this shit ain't going to work. <laughs> Flat out, like, this shit ain't going to work. So let's not go down a road here where we don't need to be. He wants out of there. They bring in Ben Simmons. I don't know what else Brooklyn Nets were supposed to do. Uh, they traded all their picks to bring in assets. And now, basically, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving is like, oh, you guys basically wronged us. Let's get out of here. Are you kidding me? Kevin Durant, probably top 15 player all time. Kyrie Irving, one of the best skilled guys in the NBA. We know what he, he does and what he brings to the table when he actually plays the game. But to sit here and actually turn around and look at the Brooklyn Nets and say, hey, man, we want out of here. And as I said, I understand it from a player's perspective where those guys are supposed to be in charge and basically be at the front of the table, head of the table and stuff like that. But what have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving done for the Brooklyn Nets? Bring a little bit more brand recognition, I guess. But that's not why they brought them there. They brought them there for to bring championships to their to their team, to their organization. A new team in Brooklyn trying to find their footing. And now they look worse than the net, the Knicks. And the Knicks are a clusterfuck. We know this. We 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 we've been over this on this podcast. The Knicks are just a, a clusterfuck and Jesus Christ help them. But looking at Brooklyn Nets, it's like, what are you guys doing? 
What are Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving doing to the Brooklyn Nets? The Brooklyn Nets have basically done everything, in my opinion, to appease these two guys. And they haven't held up their end of the bargain. Not once. Not even a little bit. Like, I don't, I'm not even sure how many playoff games they played together. Probably 20? If that, not even. Probably less than that. Hold on one second. Let me just check here. Because Kyrie Irving was hurt the first go-around. No, Kevin Durant was hurt the first go-around. They missed the playoffs. And it's like, what have you guys done in Brooklyn to uh, demand all this... This, 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 this power. I just don't see it. Like, you guys have made it to the second round. One time. You guys beat a hobbled Boston team last year. Jalen Brown was out. And what does that show? What have you guys shown in your time? They played what? Durant played 12 games. Kyrie Irving played nine games in Brooklyn in the playoffs. So what's that? Together, let's say that's 18, 4, 22 games as a Brooklyn Nets duo. 22 games as a Brooklyn Nets duo that you guys gave them. 22 games. Let's think about that. In four years. 22 games of playoffs. Playoff games. 22 playoff games. Not a conference finals. Not a championship, not even a finals appearance, nothing like that. Nothing. These two great superstars in the league. That's a damn shame. How do you do that? They have paid you guys max dollars. And they've gotten 22 games. And you guys have a losing record. Are you kidding me? Does anybody see how this is fucked up? Let's continue this. Kevin Durant signed his max deal at the start of the season. So everything was gravy nine months ago. Nine months ago. Nine months ago, everything was cool. We go through, fast forward through the season. James Harden goes out. Ben Simmons comes in, doesn't play. That sucks for the, for the Nets because they're trying to figure out an asset that they can bring in. What's going on? That they can bring in. And they fast forward through the season, get swept by the Boston Celtics, don't even win a game. So you don't even get to the second round where you guys had Kevin Durant last year. You guys don't even do that. So you guys continue on. And they're debating if they should give Kyrie Irving a max contract. Cool. Whatever. That's what happens normally with free agents, even with one year left on the deal or if they have an opt-out clause. Whatever the case may be. Cool. Whatever. The draft happens, enter free agency, cool. Seems like you guys are getting back on talking terms with the organization that you haven't talked to in months. We continue to through that. Kyrie Irving opts in, cool, all right, everything seems cool on the surface. Then Kevin Durant demands a trade. You demand a trade after the draft? So you telling me Kyrie Irving couldn't opt in Kevin Durant couldn't demand a trade before the draft. You don't think that would have been better off for Brooklyn, the team that turned around and has tried to do everything for you guys, hired an inexperienced coach, keep away past his prime DeAndre Jordan, trade away all their young assets and the culture that they were building. They fired Kenny Atkinson, who is now a champion with the Golden State Warriors and probably positioning himself to take over after Steve Kerr. Who knows? But still holding it there and, and building up his credibility in Golden State. So you guys do this after the draft. They can't even look to get any more assets. Maybe they could have got some younger lottery picks, um, some better deals, maybe some... Basically working out some signing trades that could have benefited the Brooklyn Nets and say, hey guys, it didn't work, but thank you for giving us some assets. So you guys don't do that. You guys basically wait until after the draft to start a free agency to do this. And then Kevin Durant sits there and says, oh, I want to go to Phoenix or the Heat. Huh? Now, reportedly, he has a home in Miami. Cool. I get that. You want to be closer to the crib? Whatever. Why didn't you say Orlando? You picked the two number one seeds in the NBA, in, in, in their respective conferences. 
Are you kidding me? How you ain't, like, what? what? How you do that? Under any circumstance, how do you do that? So let's look at, let's examine this a little bit more because they, basically a heat trade would be basically the trash of the Miami Heat. And I'm not saying trash in terms of, of, of players or whatever the case may be, but in star power in comparison to Kevin Durant, it ain't going to get it done. Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and a bunch of picks, a, b a bunch of end-of-the-bench rotation play. That's not going to get it done for Brooklyn. Now, if they wanted to trade Jimmy Butler, maybe they can try to figure out a way to do that. I don't think Miami's going to do that. So let's look at this other, the other position there. Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo's favorable in that trade. Let's just be real. He is. But because of the rookie max extension that Ben Simmons signed, and then got traded to Philly, he can't then get traded, he can't, Kevin Durant can't get traded for Bam Adebayo because Bam Adebayo is also on the max extension. So the only way that they can bring in somebody, they would also have to find a suitor for Ben Simmons, who hasn't played in over a year. Let that sink in. <laughs> so you can't do that trade. You can't turn around and go to Phoenix because it would take, the Nets flat out said, we ain't taking nobody else except Devin Booker. Like, we need an all-star. We need somebody who's going to bring some cachet to this franchise. So that's off the table because Phoenix isn't doing that for Kevin Durant. Like, no, nah, I wouldn't do it either. Devin Booker's a young upcoming star in this league. He just signed a max extension. I'll get into that a little bit later. But just looking at this, it's like, what? So are there some other teams coming to the play? Toronto, New Orleans. Uh, people have said Boston, which I'm totally against. I'm not trading Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. Uh, for possibly two years of Kevin Durant, who has been injury-prone the last couple of years. I I'm just not doing that. As great as a player Kevin Durant is at this stage, no, I'm not doing that. And maybe I sound crazy. Maybe people are going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? I don't care. I would rather roll the dice with Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and there's that young core with Jason Tatum, Robert Williams. I would rather go forward with that and figure it out. Would rather do that. And Boston's already making moves of its own. Doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So, no. But going back to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, it's like, you guys have played 22 playoff games together. 22. In four years. And you guys have missed a, mo a, a huge part of that due to injury. So now you're holding Brooklyn Nets over the fire and saying, hey, we want out of here. And I guess the Brooklyn Nets have to acquiesce to that. They have to accommodate that in order to move forward as a franchise. Well, people have said, oh, well, they don't have to trade Kevin Durant. That's completely true. So that's the thing that lucked out. The mass contract that Kevin Durant signed at the start of the season, yes, that does matter. That helps them. That definitely helps them. He has four years left on his deal, um, and that gives them leverage. Yo, man, we want the ransom. <laughs> put it in the bag. Whatever you guys want, put, put all the picks Put all the favorable stars. If you want Kevin Durant, we need everything. And I'm talking everything. And I mean everything. And just think about that James Harden trade that Brooklyn gave up all their picks for. If Brooklyn hits the reset build, Houston has all their picks that they gave up for James Harden. Think about that. They have all their picks. All of them. All of them. <laughs> Literally all of them. So what are the, the, the options for the Brooklyn Nets is to find a suitor for Kyrie Irving. It's reportedly that's going to be the Lakers. Uh, they're possibly working out something with Russell Westbrook, which if I'm Brooklyn, I ain't doing That just ain't going to do it. I understand it. It's probably going to lead to a buyout. That 27th pick that the Lakers keep floating out there like, ooh, look at this. That's not going to get it done for me. I'm sorry. That wouldn't get it done for me. Mm. I need more. Like, whatever future picks you guys got or can offer, whatever the case may be, I need them. Because mm -hmm. this is the end of the road for Kyrie Irving. Basically, on the other side, Russell Westbrook's my guy, but it's probably the end of the road for Russell Westbrook unless he just has a drastic change to his game. So that looks like that's the option there for Kyrie Irving. He can get Russell Westbrook on his last year of his deal, possibly facilitate a buyout. I wouldn't do that. I would just tell him to go home or figure it out or try to find another suitor for him to flip. But in case of Kevin Durant, they still have four years left on this deal. So now you can have a holding pattern where it's like, hey, um, 
I don't want to trade. I don't want to trade you for crumbs, man. And I don't think that's going to happen anyway. They said reportedly 15 teams called around the league. There's only going to be a handful of teams that are in play for Kevin Durant. And I think those teams are Toronto, uh, a young team with great assets. Kevin Durant can find some footing there, maybe. But it is Canada. They've never been a free agent destination. Kawhi did that a couple years ago, was able to flip that team and get into the right position. Can Kevin Durant do that? He's going to do it in Brooklyn. So now we start looking. Miami, you're going to have to get those uh, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, all these other guys. Can you do that? I don't know. People said OKC. I don't think OKC, even though OKC has tremendous assets. They have tremendous assets, a ton of cap space. If he was willing to go back there, he can do that. But I don't think he's going to go back to Oklahoma City. I just don't think so. So now you're looking across the board, and it's like Phoenix, maybe. I don't see it happening with Phoenix, um, unless there's a DeAndre and signing trade. Now, does that even impact Ben Simmons? Because that's a rookie max extension that he can possibly get, DeAndre Eaton. But because of the BAM situa bio situation, I wonder if it's the same thing that would hit Phoenix. So maybe there's a holding pattern that that can't happen. I think maybe after like uh, after free agents sign their contracts, maybe December 15th or whatever the case may be. Let's see. But New Orleans Pelicans, people are saying Brandon Ingram, um, um, maybe Devontae Graham, some other guys that can make the salaries work. And some picks, a load of picks. People are even saying Zion, which I'm like, nah, that's not happening. And it doesn't look like it's going to happen. But looking onward with this team, it's like, what is Brooklyn going to do? And it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how this goes forward. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Kevin Durant does. And I think it's crazy. I don't think they're in position, but Brooklyn's probably going to be like, yo, man, run this back. Mm-hmm. You guys still owe us some basketball, and it's crazy to think that. These guys have played probably less than what? hundred Less than 150 games, if so. And I'm not saying this. Let's get something straight here. Kevin Durant's one of the 15 top best players ever. Let's put it that way. Ever. Ever. So let's not act like I'm trying to shit on Kevin Durant, but his decision-making of, of late has been shitty. DeAndre Jordan, Steve Nash. Kyrie Irving, going to Brooklyn. Like, all these moves, you were in Golden State. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have left Golden State. That's your choice. You decided to leave there. I thought it would have been best for you to stay just because of the the grip that you guys would have had on the league. That's just my opinion. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, even with the injuries to Klay Thompson, and even Kevin Durant got hurt while he was there. Golden State's still in a better position than Brooklyn is. So, trying to figure out what moves that navigate with Kevin Durant, it's like, what are you going to do, man? It failed in Brooklyn. That's fine. We understand that. That happened. But the way you're going about it, I think is wrong. I think the way they're going about it is wrong. Because everything was good nine months ago. He literally signed the max extension. And maybe that was because of his injury history. Maybe he needed to secure the bag, secure the money, secure the years, the security. Completely understand that. But man, oh man, this looks bad. Man, oh man, this looks bad. And that's another thing. Throughout all this turmoil, the guy has been quiet as a church mouse that we haven't heard anything about. Steve Nash. He's still the coach. The two guys that recruited him to come to Brooklyn are trying to get out. What's happening with Steve Nash? Why isn't he already fired? And I'm not saying coming up for nobody's job, whatever the case may be. But whatever fabric is there in Brooklyn, they need a full do-over, full wipeout, full everything. Everybody's gone. Mm -hmm. Why is Steve Nash still the coach? Why is nobody talking about that? I haven't heard one person talk about that. Maybe because people like Steve Nash. He's a favorable guy in the league, favorable guy as a player. But why is nobody talking about this guy should be fired? If I'm Brooklyn, why do we, why do we still have you? Mm -hmm. Why? Why is he still, like, why is nobody talking about that? Why is he still the coach of the Brooklyn Nets as of July? Why is he still the coach? As soon as those two guys asked for a trade and tried to weasel their way out, he would have been fired. And we would just been like, yo, man, hey, we got to start over. These guys ain't going to be here, and you're not going to be here. Mm -hmm. 
You've already tried that with Jason Kidd. We're not doing that. Now, let's get into the free agency. I'm going to start a free agency. Uh, Bradley Beard opted out, but then opted back in, basically. He got the bag. He got the bag. Bradley Beal, congratulations to him for getting five years, $251 million. And everyone's killing him for wanting to stay in Washington to figure that out. And, and what is it going to be? What is Washington going to be? In the terms of Washington franchise, they, they have been dastardly. And I think they maybe they made some trades there. They got um, Monte Morris and uh, Will Barton for um, Ish Smith and uh, what's dog's name? Sheesh, why am I drawing a blank? Uh, Caldwell Pope. KCP. In that trade there. So it's like, what is what is Washington doing? They brought some veteran guys that can get some buckets, um, some veteran point guards, um, and they're going to run it back. But Bradley Beal, salute to him. Be a Hall of Famer. Build up your numbers in Washington. Get your jersey retired. And you got your money. And if you leave after your contract or during your contract, you're going to be remembered for, what, the next two, three years as a Washington Wizard, their longest-tenured Washington Wizard. Get your jersey retired. Be a hero in Washington. Um, I'm not going to kill a guy for taking the bag and securing the money for his family. I'm never going to do that. That's that's completely what guys are out to do. Yes, try to win championships, yeah. But if you can secure the bag and get paid to be an NBA player, why not? Why not do that? Um, let's look at the craziest signing – well, not even the craziest signing. I want to say craziest pursuit in free agency. Jalen Brunson to the New York Knicks for four years, $104 million, I believe it is. Um, the Brooklyn Nets have won all out. I mean, sorry. The New York Knicks have went all out for Jalen Brunson. Um, the trading guys, making sure they move Kimball Walker, uh, Nerlens Noel. Uh, those guys went to Detroit. Uh, they traded their pick to the Thunder. Um which I think was a French dude that they could have even just had him just had as a prospect and built around. But the most important thing that the the Knicks did it was hiring Jalen Brunson's dad. Um, apparently, he was uh, assistant coach of Tibbs back in the day. He had they're both from New York. All this familiarity with the Knicks, but this is going to be a Knicks versus Knicks move. And I'm not saying this is a typical Knicks move, Knicks tape move. And I'm not against Jalen Brunson getting that type of money. But the way they moved heaven and earth to get him is probably what I have an issue with. Because it's like you guys are doing all, all of this movement for a point guard who's not an all-star. A point guard who you guys desperately need. Let's not get that out of the way. The Knicks do need a point guard. I think he fits nicely there with... Um, R.J. Barrett, potentially Julius Randle if they're not trying to move him, whatever the new usher is, the new move is for the New York Knicks. I understand that. But the way they moved heaven and hell for Jalen Brunson has everyone confused. And this better work for the Knicks. This better work. This better work. And let, now let's look at it from the Knicks' perspective. They have swung and missed on free agency pursuit, they were able to lure Carmelo Anthony through trade. A lot of the guys they've had on their roster throughout their legacy have been through trade. Latrell Sprewell from Golden State, Allen Houston from the Detroit Pistons, um, I think John Starks, I think John Starks might have even been a free agent in 93, whatever the case may be, when they brought him in from Golden State. Um, Carmelo was through trade, Chauncey Billups was through trade, Christoph Porzingis they drafted, but then traded to Dallas. It's like, there's been no connection to New York, and I guess this is some connection to New York because Jalen Brunson is from the area. So I understand that point. And you 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 whiff on all these free agency, these free agents that you can't sign and bring into your culture because James Dolan, whatever the case may be, and just their infrastructure, the infrastructure for the New York Knicks is just not the best. They tried to overturn it with a World Wide West and trying to do a culture change there, and I understand that, but it's like. What the hell? Jalen Brunson? This is the answer? And not to say that he's not a bad uh, a bad player or anything like that, but it's just like, man. And I understand that you want somebody that wants you. That's fine. I completely understand that. You want somebody that wants you. But man, oh man. Man, oh man. Other free agency signings. Um, 
in Philadelphia. Basically, uh, uh, Daryl Moore, the GM of the Philadelphia 76ers, just wants Houston 2018 back. Um, brought, bringing him back in P.J. Tucker for three years, I believe $33 million. Um, that's going to take him until he's age 40. And kudos to P.J. Tucker for securing the bag into old age. Kudos to him. That's great. Like, go get the bag. He plays hard defense and and, and makes corner threes. If that's going to get you, what, $10, $11 million a year, why not? I'm not mad at P.J. Tucker. Get your money. Hopefully he's able to make a big difference in um, Philadelphia. And they also brought in Daniel House who was with that team in 2018. So you're getting guys that can spread the floor potentially, and I think that's good in terms of what Philly's trying to do. They need some more shooting. They need some more scoring, especially the shooting. And I think a spread spread pick and roll with Joel Embiid, ISOs with James Harden. If James Harden is able to get his legs back, his athleticism, his burst back, that will be great. Um, providing more spacing on the floor for Embiid with those shooters, I think that's very important as well. So kudos to them. Um, Gary Payton Jr., the second after his big finals performance, um, big gamer, um, playing with a chipped elbow in his, his playing with a chipped elbow in the finals, um, coming back from that injury, um, signing a three-year deal with Portland. I think that helps them as well as they uh, brought back Anthony Simons. Um, they traded for Jeremy Grant, which I thought was a good move for them. So it's looking like there's something in Portland. Maybe not title contenders, but at least something's there. You're, you're kind of securing Dame and securing the future, even if Dame decides to move on in a year or two. You have Gary Payton II, who's a good defender, uh, a guy that's been able to grow his game, especially work hard, and especially going back to Portland. Um, his dad played at Oregon State, Gary Payton, of course. So that's that comes full circle, so that's kind of cool. Um, Kevon Looney signs back with Golden State on a three-year deal, $25 million. I think that was a good move, keeping the core together um, for Golden State. Uh, JaVale McGee uh, went to Dallas on a three-year deal. I would have loved him in Boston on the backup as a backup. Um, JaVale McGee, <laughs> finding all these guys that he can cash lobs from. That, I think that's awesome. That's also awesome. Um, Patty Mills stays there. John Wall, after his buyout with the Rockets, goes to the Clippers on a two-year deal for $13 million. Um, Bruce Brown Jr. goes to Denver. I think that was a good move, having a, uh, another defender on the wing there who's going to be just provide effort there for them in Denver. Victor Oladipo signs a one-year deal back in Miami. Um, Dante DiVincenzo goes to Golden State after they lost uh, Juan Tosano Anderson to the Lakers. So um, we're getting different, a couple different movement parts here in free agency, but a lot of resignings, though. A lot of resignings happening there. Um, let's look here. Malik Monk, uh, he went to the Kings. I forgot about that. That was a good move for him. Mo Bamba goes back to Orlando on a two-year deal. Nicholas Batum goes back to the uh, uh, the Clippers on a two-year deal. So a lot of guys that resigned. Bobby Portis resigned. Got the bag four years, $49 million. I think that was a good move for him. Mitchell Robinson, <laughs> speaking about the Knicks, he's the first guy since 1994 that, that were drafted that resigned with the team. I think it was Charlie Ward. And it's like, are the Knicks just doing this because they heard that in the rumblings in the background and they just want that to go away? That that That's funny to me. That's funny to me. Um, <laughs> Yusuf Nurkic uh, uh, for Portland signed for four years, uh, $70 million, so good for him. Hopefully he can just stay healthy. I think that's been the, the main concern for Portland with them. Can he just stay healthy? Uh, Lou Dort. Um, getting an $87 million deal, five-year deal, and people are like, he's not worth it, whatever the case may be. He's a good defensive player and plays hard on that end. And I think that's important for a culture down there in OKC who's trying to build something. And at worst case, he had 17 points a game last year, of course, on a lottery team, but let's look at it this way. If he continues to improve his offensive game, his shooting, especially he's playing with SGA, Josh Giddy, and those guys, and Chet Holmgren, if he's able to space the floor and – grow his offensive game, that plays dividends for Oklahoma City. That pays a lot of dividends for Oklahoma City. So I don't think that's a bad thing for Oklahoma City. It's a low-risk, high-reward for them. And at worst case, most contracts are able to be moved in this league, so I don't think that's going to be a problem either. Um, so I think that was a nice, solid signing. Um, Uh, it's been reported that Dino Gallinari is signing with the Celtics for a two-year deal on $13 million. I'm just waiting for that to get hammered out. 
But if he comes to the Boston Celtics, I really like that move. It brings a, a shooter, another wing. Hopefully he's just able to stay healthy and able to shoot. And especially, of course, we know that um, they want him to uh, – Ime Yudoka is a defensive coach, uh, so that's going to be something that he's going to have to work at. Um, but Bielisa surprised us in the NBA Finals and was able to uh, hang on the court for, for multiple possessions on the defensive end. So it's not out of the realm to have these guys that shoot and not known for defense actually step up and provide some effort on that side of the court. Um, Anthony Simon signs a $100 million deal for over four years in Portland. That's just basically security, as I said earlier. Um, I think that's a really good move for Portland. Um, he had a nice uh, second half to the end of the season there, filling in there. Um, but let's get into uh, uh, some extensions here. Um, Bradley Beal, I talked about earlier, um, signing that big deal for $251 million. But uh, Nikola Jokic came in <laughs> and trumped that with a five-year deal, $270 million deal. Um, the two-time MVP locking down in Denver. That's good for Denver, awesome for Denver. Um, we have a couple of rookie Supermax contracts. Darius Garland, John Morant, Zion Williamson, all signed for $193 million. Um, all those contracts can go up to 231 Let's go over those. Darius Garland, who is a nice scoring guard for um, Cleveland. I think that was a good deal for them. They got to secure something there. Um, they got Jared Allen locked up. They got uh, uh, Evan Mobley on a rookie deal. So it's just basically figuring out what to do with Colin Sexton and continuing to build the way around Darius Garland. Um, I think they got to add some more shooters there, but Darius Garland, good for him, good for Cleveland. Um, let's see if they can continue to build that team the right way. Um, John Morant, um, well deserved, I think. Rookie Supermax getting Memphis to the second round, um, and of course we're not trying to champion that, but that is good progress for a young team. And this guy's 23 years old. Hopefully he's able to just continue to expand his game, especially shooting the ball. That's only going to make them better, make Memphis better. Um, Zion Williamson. Now, this is a big one. Zion Williamson has played what? Let's look it up here. But let's just, while I look it up, let me continue. This guy is basically the missing piece for the New Orleans Pelicans. Let's just get that out the way. He's the missing piece. That's why you pay a guy super max. Because you're hoping to God that he can stay healthy. And be able to stay on the court for your team. But Zion Williamson has played 85 games. 85 games. And he did not play last season. But this guy gets 27 points on 60% shooting. You don't find guys like that in the NBA. Those guys just don't drop out the sky. <laughs> Those are Shaq numbers. So, when you get this type of opportunity for Zion Williamson to come in there, hopefully... Play with C.J. McCollum, the veteran they brought in. Have Brandon Ingram, the scoring guy who's basically been waiting for Zion Williamson to be his running mate and try to figure out that. You got Herb Jones. You got Jackson Hayes. You got Jonas Valanciunas. You got Herb Jones. So you have a foundation there that's good. You just want you to take this next step and really get the ball moving, get the wheels running on the pavement. Just get going forward. And hopefully Zion, he's been looking like he's getting back in shape, doing all the things right. So hopefully for New Orleans, he can pan out for them and and really help them because I feel like he's really all they're missing. They got a lot of shooting. They got some size. They got some size. Um, they have a really good scoring wing in um, Brandon Ingram. Sorry, had a brain fall there. But it's just like you look at this New Orleans team, they were able to win two. In that, win two in that, uh, one second, doing in that, and where was I? So they have a good foundation there in New Orleans. So you're just wondering how he can how he can fit in and just help grow this team. Willie Green and nice that's why I was going. Willie Green, a nice development coach. The young guys seem to be there and, and like him in New Orleans. So it's like, let's get this going. We just need Zion Williams to stay healthy and hopefully he's able to do that. That's why New Orleans 
did that. He provides hope to their franchise, to their future, and hopefully they can turn it around there. Some other signings that happened. Zach Levine signed for $215 million in Chicago. You know, there was uh, uh, reports out there that Chicago was unwilling to give him that mass contract, and eventually they did. I think they subverted the landscape and was like, we're not going to get anybody else better than him right now. And if we do and we want to make moves down the line, we can always trade him. He's a young, up-and-coming guy. He just needs to stay healthy. So I'm happy for him for getting that bag there, too. Um, Zach Levine, Carl Anthony Town signed a Supermax extension to $224 million down there in Minnesota. They're basically locking up their best player, um, making some trades as well, but I'll get into that. Um, that was great. Um, so there's some guys, uh, Devin Booker also signed the same deal. Both their They have the same agent. Um, I forgot her name, but um, I think she's the first female agent to secure two max contracts for her clients. So that was good to see progression in the NBA. Um, but yeah, we saw a lot of guys just stay put in free agency. We didn't see a lot of movement too much. Um, maybe a couple of trades that I'll talk about in a minute. But a lot of guys just stayed home. A lot of guys got their max extensions. Um, also, I forgot one more uh, free agent signing. Joe Ingles to um, the Milwaukee Bucks. I know that he was hurt last year. I believe he tore his ACL in Utah and they traded him to Portland. Basically sat out. But I think that was a very good signing for the Bucks, um, who have stayed pat with Bobby Portis, uh, bringing a lot of their guys back. But I think Joel Ingles brings them shooting, which they definitely need, but also a ball handler guy that can handle the ball and have some playmaking and some versatility to their uh, uh, lineups that have the, the, the five out and have Giannis have the ball, as your holiday have the ball, running pick and roll and stuff like that. Joe Ingles is able to do some of those things. Hopefully he's able to still defend a little bit there. Um, I know he had that injury, but that was a nice signing that I liked. A little under-the-radar signing for the Bucks that I liked, really. Now, that wraps it up for our free agency uh, free agency part of our podcast. We're going to go into transactions as next. A couple of trades happen, and especially a big one, especially uh, a big one that shakes up Utah Jazz. We'll talk about that. <laughs> Um, now, let's get into some trades here that happened, um, especially because it involved my favorite team, the Boston Celtics. Um, but before that, let's get into some trades that happened there. Um, Javante Murray got sent to the San Antonio... Uh, no, wait. Javante Murray got sent to the Atlanta Hawks from the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, Fadino Gallinari and a bunch of first-round pick, future first-round picks. Um, one from Charlotte, two from Atlanta. Um, and I think 2026, they have a pick swap, but all of them unprotected. So, um, Javante Murray goes to... Atlanta, which is going to be a good pairing with him. I think he covers uh, Trey Young's deficiencies on defense and able to take some of that pressure defensively off of Trey Young. He's still going to be hunted, but at least they have two ball ball handlers in their backcourt, and I think that's something that you want. You want two playmakers in your backcourt that can create and then score. Um, that's something that the league is pushing towards and has been for a long time. I think that's something that's going to benefit Atlanta. Um, there's still a lot of, uh, uh, how you should say, uh, uncertainty with their roster with John Collins and and um, they shipped out Kevin Herter to Sacramento. Uh, they got just, Justin Holiday and Maurice Harkless. They're probably trying to improve their defense um, and, and get better on that side of the ball as well. Um, but Javante Murray going to Atlanta is big time. I wanted the Celtics to get him. I thought another t- couple teams should have uh, tried to get him. Um, this guy's a twenty, nearly a 20-10 and 10 guy, and now he's playing against the, next to Trey Young, who was a 30-10 and 10 guy um, last season, So who led the league in points and assists. So, to add that to Atlanta, who brings a little bit more stability, especially defensively, but another guy that can take the pressure off uh, handling the ball from Trey Young. So I think that's good for them. Um, San Antonio is going to buy out Dino Gallinari because uh, they're going to uh, Victor Benyam Victor uh, Victor Benyama sweepstakes. But yeah, um, San Antonio's in the Victor Ben. What, how do you say this guy's name? I'm sorry, y'all. Victor, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get this guy's name down pat. But he's a French guy out of. Obviously, he's a French guy. He's a big guy out of France, a big guy there. 
Victor Benyama. Victor Wenbenyama. Sorry there. Seven foot three guy uh, uh, on the French team. Uh, fits right up San Antonio's alley in terms of uh, 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 overseas kid. A guy that has very good dis in instincts on the defensive end, but looking at what they're doing, it looks like they're going for a full rebuild, moving Javante Murray hopefully to a favorable situation in Atlanta, helping him out there. Um, but yeah, it looks like they're going for a rebuild. Um, just think about what they're doing. Uh, connections to France through Tony Parker and Doris, Boris Diaw, who played for San Antonio and also plays for the French national team. So there's a connection there. Um, and to do that and, and basically rebuild and secure all those picks, I think that's a big thing, especially with the uncertainty with Atlanta and whatever they're going direction, they're going with their roster. They might be able to take, they might be taking a step back in the next couple of years. We'll see. Um, but San Antonio basically just setting up for the future. Uh, our next trade was a first round pick, uh, first round pick uh, from Brooklyn going to Utah. Uh, 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 for Royce O'Neal. <laughs> that started the Brian Windhorse uh, uh, memes out there saying, what's going on here? What's going on here? And then you can you can look that up on YouTube of uh, Brian Windhorse talking about Utah on uh, ESPN there. Um, but yeah, that seemed everybody, that set everything off and everybody going, what's going on here? Why would they just move Royce O'Neal, a good defender, a good role player who's been in um, Utah for the past couple of seasons? Why would they just randomly move him? And that basically set up a domino effect for the big trade that happened there. Um, Rudy Gobert goes to the Minnesota Timberwolves for one, two, three, four first round picks in 23, 25, 26, 27, mostly all unprotected. Uh, 2023 is top 12 protected. Uh, 26 is a pick swap, but they basically gutted their team basically for Rudy Gobert pairing him next to Carl Anthony Towns. And that's nearly $500 million over the next four or five years for Minnesota. Um, but, uh, they send, uh, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, Walker Kessler, who was a last year draft pick. Who's a big, tall guy, um, big kid there. Um, can use him to develop. Uh, also got, uh, Patrick Beverly and Malik Beasley in a 29 first round pick. So it's really five first round picks. Woo. Going to Utah. And basically everybody was like, Oh, Minnesota got better. And of course they did. They got two twin towers that they can build around. Um, I believe Minnesota was one of the last teams in bottom five defensively, um, and they desperately need something there to help bluster their defense there. Um, yeah, and, and Rudy Gobert, anytime you put him on a team, he's going to do that. He's going to protect the rim. He's going to be big. Um, it's going to be weird to see if Cat can do any uh, <laughs> four or five pick and rolls. I don't know if they're ever going to do that, but that will be interesting to see. But um, this puts Cat at the four spot and helping – um, him stay on the perimeter and expand his game and and just basically I, I think this was a, a a desperation move for Minnesota a move that they maybe needed to make maybe I don't know how much this moves the needle um, we've seen Rudy Gobert get played off the court there um, the past couple seasons in Utah in terms of um, trying to get out there in the pick and roll coverage and and, and that's not all his fault and, and maybe Utah had to be better on the perimeter there um, was we shall see but the Ant Man. Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert. It's at least a play a couple playoff appearances. Maybe another round uh, 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 advancing in a round there for Minnesota who's just looking to push the needle towards the playoffs. Um, but this was Danny Ainge mastermind plan here. Securing all those first round picks. And I've talked to uh, one of my friends there. He was like, what does that do? What is that? They didn't bring in anybody. I'm like, yeah, but they brought in security here in terms of uh, lots of good guys that are role players and Patrick Beverly and, and Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley, guys that can actually help a team um, compete. And, and maybe Utah's not going to be in a position that it was uh, with Rudy Gobert for a little bit here. But those picks provide flexibility to create trades down the line there. Not only create trades, if Donovan Mitchell wants to leave, you now have options there to trade for more assets. You already have first four first-round picks there. You can trade for some more assets if Donovan Mitchell wants to leave. So if you want to build around Donovan Mitchell, what it looks like they're going to try to do and give it a go here with Donovan Mitchell to start the season here, um, it provides them still with flexibility uh, uh, to, to bring in players. Uh, picks are valuable. Um, contracts are valuable. So when those picks, those first-round picks come up, 
in trade talks, hey, we'll trade you uh, possibly Patrick Beverly in the first for such and such, or, or or Malik Beasley with a pick. Those add up, those create value, and I think that's good for Utah, either to continue with Donovan Mitchell or move on without him. They're, they have some flexibility and some stability there, and especially getting Rudy Gobert's contract off their books. Um, I believe he's $205 million over the next four years, I believe. So to get that big contract off your books, if you're looking to rebuild or move on, that helps Utah a lot. But this is also a win for Minnesota in terms of they actually have a defensive pillar down there that can possibly improve the defense of the overall team. Hopefully Minnesota is able to figure it out. They've been trying to pair a center next to Cat for the past couple of seasons and, and just haven't been able to pan out. So Rudy Gobert, former defensive player of the year, um, probably one of the best rim protectors. Well, let's get it out there. The best rim protector in the league. Um, defensive metrics provide that. Uh, his rebounding, he's going to be playing a factor in Minnesota. He's not going to be a bum in Minnesota. Uh, I know he's gotten a bad rap in Min- in Utah. I just thought, didn't think there was a there was a shelf life for that. Uh, Mitchell, Rudy Gobert pairing, and, and, and it finally hit its expiration date. Danny Ainge made the move. Um, and Utah's going to be interesting. They hired Will Hardy um, as their assistant coach, uh, a former assistant of the Boston Celtics. So that was a, 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 a... Danny's making some moves out there in Utah, and he's not going to be done, regardless of what happens here going forward with Donovan Mitchell or not. But uh, Utah seems to be in a good position moving forward in terms of rebuilding and trying to figure things out for the future. Um, now let's get to the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics in the NBA Finals throughout the playoffs had a whole bunch of turnover issues. Um, I believe Jason Tatum, Brown, and Smart finished with turnovers, uh, one, two, three for the Boston Celtics in turnovers. A couple too many. And we questioned what the hell is going on and do we need a point guard? I think we needed a wing. That looks like it's been addressed with Dino Gallinari, but we made a big trade. In my opinion, we traded for Malcolm Brogdon, Brogdon from the Indiana Pacers, and we traded away Daniel T- Tice, Aaron Naismith, Nick Stauskas, Malik Fitz, Jawan Morgan, and the first 2023 first round pick. Now, the Celtics are going to be good regardless next year, so that pick is going to be low value. But what that does is they move the contract of uh, Malcolm Brogdon off Indiana and get a bunch of young guys there that can help. Hopefully, Aaron Naismith is able to find. I always liked him out of Vanderbilt, I thought he was a good draft pick. Just needs to find a shot. Hopefully he's able to do that in Indiana. But what Michael Brogdon provides to the Boston Celtics is a playmaker, uh, a guy that plays uh, great defense on both. He plays basically plays both sides of the ball. He's able to play without the ball, able to shoot it, able to pass it, able to defend, able to get steals. So you bring in that guy who's a big guard, a big guard to your team. To the Boston Celtics who already have Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Brown, Horford, Robert Williams, basically every defender on this team last year got a defensive team uh, vote. So, Ime Adoka has came in here and basically said we're going to win with our defense. And to add Malcolm Brogdon to that, a guy that um, can play without the ball, play with the ball, set up your offense, and really doesn't need the ball. He's able to move the ball and, and play within a team concept. So, to get this guy to come in there and play next to Smart, I think they should probably play those guys together, probably move Horford to the bench, save him for the playoffs. I think this is a great move for the Boston Celtics. Uh, I think they've had uh, – everybody was wondering what the Boston Celtics were doing. <laughs> um, but this guy's a big guard, uh, similar to Marcus Smart in terms of size, 6'5", 230. Um, has been stellar in Indiana. They've just been in a state of flux for the longest time. state of flux for the longest time. But yeah, I think this is a big win for the Boston Celtics. Um, getting Malcolm Brogdon there to bluster their rotation. Celtics look really good. Um, they, they got Derek White. Um, they got Peyton Pritchett still. Grant Williams. Al Horford. Dino Gallinari. Adding Malcolm Brogdon to that starting five. I I think that's going to be awesome for the Boston Celtics. I think they made a great move in terms of bringing in Malcolm Brogdon, addressing the shooting issue, because I think the Celtics needed a little bit more shooting last year, and it looks like we addressed all those needs. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. They still have the trade player exceptions, which have been dastardly over the past couple of years, we know. 
Um, but let's see what they can do with that. They still have one for $17 million. They have one for seven, I believe six, five, and a couple minimum um, contracts. So those could be used to just blossom the roster at the bottom. But the Celtics um, making some moves there. Um, bringing in Malcolm Brogdon, bringing in Dino Gallinari, some veterans, some more veterans where we had young guys last year that couldn't even help, but we had an eight-guy man rotation. Um, but we'll see how it goes. But I, I'm, I'm happy with the Celtics uh, – uh, free agency uh, uh, transaction, off-season transaction so far. Let's see what they can continue that and build off of that and build off last season. But they're going to be a good team. They, they, uh, I love what they did. Um, not selling with the, the picks there, getting rid of them. I'm not looking to look in the draft or anything like that and just looking to continue to build on this uh, potentially championship roster. Also started off on YouTube. Yes, I am on YouTube. The Basketball Soapbox is on YouTube. Um, I'll give a little breakdown of the Nets there. Also some 2K mixes that I do from time to time. Just having fun. Um, check me out on there as well as TikTok, the Basketball Soapbox, on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Spotify, Anchor app. You know the deal. And that will do it for episode 15 of the Basketball Soapbox. Uh, we'll see if we hear any more news of the Net saga uh, coming up in the upcoming week. Um, I'll probably touch on some more uh, basketball topics, such as Summer League is starting up. So all the young guns get started in Las Vegas on the 7th. Um, I believe the California Classic is already underway, but we have Las Vegas Summer League. I believe there's still Salt Lake Summer League coming up to it as well. i got to check the schedule. Uh, but can't wait for that. That's always you get to look at the uh, young prospects around the league. And, and see how they come into the league. And maybe some unknown people get called up and we'll see what they can produce on this level. Um, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be entertaining. Um, might get to some other stuff, uh, such as like uh, uh, maybe some other topics that I had on the brain other than the, the basketball regular cycle that goes on in the NBA. But um, until next time, I'll catch you guys on episode 16.